And it's allowing yourself the opportunity to just get curious, to see Mm -hmm. how does it feel rather than is it right or wrong? In this episode, we will talk about sexless relationships, alignment, and self-expansion. We'll dive right into Dr. Catalina Lawson's courageous story, her life work, and what she did in order to help women of color. Be sure to listen in to hear all the details. Hello, my wonderful beasties. It's Tina, your host. Welcome to the Courageous Inner Beast, the place where you hear stories, get inspired, and charged with courage by calling in your inner beast. Today, we have Dr. Catalina. And please, Dr. Catalina, please introduce yourself. Hi, Tina, thanks so much for having me. Dr. Catalina here, the intimacy doc. I am a psychologist who helps empower progressive women to experience ecstasy without settling for sexless relationships, integrating neuroscience, psychology, and Tantra. And for the last 23 years, I have been supporting sex and relationships throughout the world as a professor, researcher, and clinician. So I'm super excited to talk about juicy, juicy sex and intimacy and connection and how we can all have it. (laughs) Thank you for... Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, So what is your one courageous story that you would like to share with us today? I would say that the biggest courageous moment for me was really leaving academia and and starting my own private practice. Um, I had worked, you know, after undergrad, um, I did nine years of training. I did a two-year master, a five-year PhD, and then a two-year postdoc all of that to become a professor. <laughs> and uh, and I was taking that academic route, a research route where I was writing grants and working in um, with med schools. And, and I was really on that trajectory. I had a, and I was pretty good at it. Um, uh, good in some ways, bad in some, whatever, but I was on the trajectory. <laughs> and, um, and really once in my last job about four and a half now years ago, I think it was, um, there'd been a bunch of things that had just kept on happening in my life, um, in relationships. And, and that year, my body, um, was, I'd gotten sick. I had like two rounds of prednisone in me. Um, I'd gotten the flu so bad. I think I might've gotten it twice that year. All of these things were happening where my body was like, this is not what you want. This is just not what you want. There have been other things in my life that I was like, that's not what I want either. Um, But basically, I was just like, that's enough. And I started started my own private practice um, while still being a professor. and, And finally, was just like, that's it. And so I left my job. I was an associate professor. And I joined a group practice here in LA, moved from Chicago back, um, not back, but to LA. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then within a couple months, I was like, you know what, actually, this is not a match. And I'm going to just go out on completely on my own. And, um, Wait, so, and so originally you went to so a group to, practice. Mm-hmm. So oh, like finding another job, but in LA, not. Your yeah. Own so I moved, I have not in one, I've never had one week in my adult life where I didn't have a job, where I didn't have a plan. Yes. Not one week, like ever since um, undergrad, I have always worked. Um, and so like when I hear have friends who are like, I'm just taking a break, I'm taking a year off. I'm like, oh my God, I can't even imagine what that's like. You know? <laughs> and so it was quite a big jump for me to go from having a stable 
academic, like, this is my, this is my life I've been working for for the last 20 years. And um, to say, no, I'm going to (laughs) work on my own. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Oh man! And in doing that, um, the first like 2019 was one of the rockiest years of my life. Um, my dad died. I experienced fifteen thousand dollars of fraud um, and a trauma traumatic experience while they were getting that money from me. Um, and uh, and I was in a toxic relationship. I was just, all every single month something was happening in, in 2019. Yeah, every single month, right when I made that jump, right when I made that jump, everything, everything the floor dropped. And that was also when I also began to appreciate that I'd experienced complex trauma in my life. Yeah. And that even though I started researching PTSD in 2005, yeah. like for myself, I hadn't acknowledged that. And so I made a lot of changes, left a toxic relationship and, and leaned in on all of the practices that I've been doing. And I've done with my clients for over 20 years, acknowledged mm-hmm. what I was going through. And then gradually, gradually, gradually just, suddenly doubled my income, um, had really come to a place where in my sexuality, not only was I able to begin to have multiple orgasms, because I, in my twenties and thirties, I was just not very orgasmic. Um, and, uh, and so then really beginning to actually, even though I, I started practicing Tantra in 2000, um, and, um, and in this shift, in that crescendo moving forward, I really tapped into my sexual energy. And again, my practice just grew and um, my audience grew. And then I got on TikTok and then I built a community there and um, and reaching out to more people and talking about sex in a way that is through a social social justice lens, appreciating how racism, sexism, and fucking homophobia and all these isms affect us, particularly yeah. in the bedroom. Um, yeah. And uh, and really, and then I guess the climax of everything was really <laughs> like in the last couple of years, being able to invite in energetic orgasms and being able yeah. to, without touch, bring how myself. Do you, how do you do that? With the, so this like, is this is this is where the same the same process in which we can we can uh, have a heightened awareness of our emotions yeah. and what those sensations are in our emotions. The more that we actually embody and and have that awareness of this is what my body is feeling, encode that into our brain. The more we can actually say this is how I want to feel and bring that back in, and so. Hmm. That's where, how, for me, energetic orgasms became this journey of where I'd heard it like in college, like in the nineties, like Mm-mm. in the early nineties, I'd heard it. I had friends who'd have them and I'd be like, fuck you. Like, you're lying. <laughs> like you know, like you're just trying like, because again, I wasn't orgasmic and, um, and I get almost really close and like so many women, I get super close, but there was like this overstimulation and this like almost pain that I back out, you know, I couldn't just surrender into it. And so, so much of my sexual journey was learning how to 
experience that tension and that contraction, tension and that contraction. And in um, in the sexual space, we we call this edging. You know, where you it's get cool. yourself up to a six or a seven, you bring yourself back down to a three or a four. You get yourself up to a seven or a six or a seven, you bring yourself back down. And the more that you're able to do this, and thinking about this in life too, with our emotions, the more you are able to appreciate that and get comfortable with any discomfort around things and then also witness your ability to not just move through it but to also bring it down but then also bring it back up the more you are able to experience that and ride that wave yeah that's where expansions comes from it's the same way we deal with trauma it's the same way you know acknowledging acknowledging fear experiencing the oppo oppo oppositional the opposite emotion and it's the same thing. And so the more that we practice that in yeah. our bodies, mm -hmm. then you can invite in whatever you want. And for me and for many, not so super many, but I, I choose to invite in orgasms. And so if I want to experience an orgasm, I'll experience an orgasm. Oh, okay. So that you're, you're saying like when you're at a certain level, but riding the wave, I'm still confused about a little bit. I'm so more personal curiosity of like, um, yeah. So you're saying like when you're at six or seven, you're you're writing it and you're going down three or four, like you're feeling it within your body, you're inviting it in to like let it happen versus like when it's certain external external environment and like environmental things that happen, like with partners and stuff. Is that what you're yeah, saying? I mean, the, when so much of when people think about sex and particularly orgasms, you'll hear, yeah. oh, he made me orgasm. Yeah. He, he made me come. No one makes you fucking come. Our yeah. partners are our kindling. There are absolutely ways to our partners can stimulate that yeah. cultivation and that arousal. Mm -hmm. and, and there are, yes, there are techniques to do that. You know, and part of those techniques are how are you enabling yourself to experience it? How much are you aware of the sensations in your bodies, the tingling, the, the increased heart rate, the, the different sensations moving from your toes, up your legs, up to your chest? Like yeah. the more we call this interoception, the more you are able to heighten your awareness of your internal sensations, yeah. the more you can control them as well. This is why people can have open heart surgery with no anesthesia. Like I've seen people have, like particularly in Bhutan and in Asia, like I've seen people have extreme pain or surgeries and, and procedures with cancer with no anesthesia. Because in those countries, they just don't have as, they didn't have as much access. And there's lots of different reasons why, you know, pain medicine around the world is just very different than it is here in America, you know? Um, and so it's the same logic. It's the same thing. It's a practice. Um, and it's not, it, this is a practice that I've been cultivating over a couple decades, you know? Um, and so like, and even though it's been a couple decades, it really was, it, it's crescendoed with a deepening of that practice. And as I've matured and I feel more comfortable experiencing those emotions, dealing with my trauma and, and actually being able to increase my tolerance for any discomfort that's the fact that I know I can is, is yeah. what our brain needs to know that we will. And so you were mentioning how um, like with as you're maturing and growing more like you're learning more of like how your body feels and going through just 
the sensations, like you said, going through your body. And so like, how, how does that play into the, the concept of um, finally moving from academia to your practice now? Like, so, you, said, you, said, you said it was like, you've been, this practice has been for decades for you. But yes, how you know, changed? because in my practice, yeah. When we in my in my practice of being able to identify one, I teach I teach three steps of acknowledge, empathize, assert. Acknowledging what the sensations are coming up in my body and attaching that to an emotion and understanding and empathizing with what 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 is and what's cut getting triggered here with also empathizing that whatever is getting triggered makes sense and then figuring out what does my body actually need want or desire mm. that's where we build start making aligned conscious choices so in me leaving my job and leaving the this academic career that I built for the last 20 some years like was this appreciation that this is now an aligned conscious choice and within it are there going to be ups and downs like I said right when I did it it was like like fuck my world went upside down yeah and I was able and that was not easy it was not easy at all and and it was me again bringing back leaning back on these practices going back to my meditation back to my tantra back to and soliciting some friends to support me in that you know, into that were a my body was able to receive that support from um, to actually get to the place where yeah, like my practice is pretty successful and I'm expanding it now with my coaching programs and and I'm more you know ex, ex, expressing more what it is of what I want to talk about right like the whole uh, idea behind me leaving academia was to not have ever have a name behind me. Like I, this is my, this is me and this is my, my voice and my beliefs and how I am integrating my experience into how I see the world and also how it translates into how I end up working with clients and how I relate. Like I very much believe I am, my purpose is, is to be in relationship. I'm, I am in the I'm in the business of relating, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> because as humans, we learn from a place where we are regulated, when our bodies feel safe and we mm -hmm. learn experientially, you have to actually experience those sensations to actually and move, witness yourself moving through discomfort mm -hmm. to actually build and increase your tolerance, which fosters resilience. Yeah. Then we change in relationships. And this is where like in making that jump, I, I did make that jump. It was scary. I moved through, I built the tolerance. I had, I built resilience in that. And I was able to practice what that felt like this new, these new emotions, these new, like conscious choices with my clients, with my friends who I chose to align with. And I was just much, much more conscious. And with that, with with that becomes this new this different life yeah. right you know so much of when people change the majority of people won't change right yeah. the majority of people won't change we know that across every single behavior long-term change and most research only follows people like a year there's some longitudinals that go back 
studies and go back and see, okay, where are these people 10 years? And on average, you see about 20% across every single behavior. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because what we are actually feeling stuck in and what we want to change is what our body perceives as safe. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so, and that's right. That's right. When we say that makes sense, instead of judging ourselves, that's where our body's like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's the empathize. You just call me, you don't really want to do anything. But then I think also, like you said, like if like majority of us don't want to change, and then like only twenty percent, like within a year or ten years, only actually change, right? And so, well, I mean, everybody wants to change. Yeah, um, but they, everybody wants other people to change, which we have no control over. That's actually what most people want. They want other, and particularly in relationships, they want their partner to change. If they would just do this, then I would feel this. Mm-hmm. If this would just happen, then I would feel this. Yeah. Whenever we look externally for this for to meet our needs we have no control so when we learn that our experience is ours to determine regardless of what is happening again this is why you can have open heart surgery people can have open heart surgery with no anesthesia it is detaching from what is happening on the external and controlling what is happening internally yeah. And and again, the, and that is a practice. And this is the thing where so many people, you know, I think particularly the way mental health and <clears throat> trauma and change is talked about in social media, it is very much like, oh, I have this and it's this. And I think a lot of my story is, is like what I think about, I mean, there's been so many times like that so many choices where I took risks and, and like, I was like, oh, you feel the elation and then shit drops. Right. Mm-hmm. It is that and it's riding those waves. That yeah. That's the part. Because that's where I'm like, now I'm like, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? When I tell my clients is when they're when they are scared of that change, I'm like, one, that makes sense. And then two, I say, you already know what shit smells like. Yes. So <laughs> as long as you can deal with this shit, and there may be it may shit more. There may be more shit. Okay, but what if there isn't? What if it actually starts to smell like roses? What if that? What if that happens too? Because this is the part in in embracing that change, yeah, and acknowledging that fear is while wanting to celebrate it. It doesn't need to be toxically positive. It can coexist with wanting to be. I call it realistic optimism, where It's acknowledging, yes, this could be so amazing and I could be scared and things could go shit and I could get more stress out of it. You know, when I made that change, I remember like I was working on one of my second or third websites for my business and I was like, fuck this, you know, the people who are making it, they're not doing it right. I want to do it myself. So I spent like somewhere between 40 or 70 hours across a few days. I like just worked, worked, worked. And I remember it was like 3 a.m. And I was exhausted. I was a little bit loopy and I was still working. (laughs) And I was in my kitchen and I remember just laughing and just being like, oh my gosh, I am choosing this. Yeah, I am choosing to do this right now. And that is fucking awesome because I'm choosing this. It is hard. I'm uncomfortable. I'm exhausted. And that's my choice. Yeah. 
And I get to own that choice and I get to support myself in that choice. Yes. And that's the part. It is knowing that when we want to change, it's there is going to be there is uncertainty. You know what is right now. All anxiety is is fear of the future. It is anticipation for the unknown. So our body, of course, naturally wants the certainty of right of the past, of what it knows. Mm-hmm. And it's acknowledging that, of course, that makes sense. Yeah. That's what our body does. It's trying to protect us. But building up with small steps of just taking a little bit of chances, trying something new, a yes. little bit. Yeah, like very and little. building up that self-efficacy, that, that, that trust in your body that I can. Yeah. That's the part that over time, that's why this is a practice. Nothing in life is linear. The more you keep on expanding, the more you get aware of things, the more you actually are going to be sensitive to these things. Yeah, and, and it's knowing what is right for you versus what doesn't feel right for you, and you just stay away from that. It seems what like. feels aligned for you. Yes. Not necessarily. There is no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It may feel what, what, what you may have perceived as right before could absolutely be aligned now. Yeah. Right. And it's allowing yourself the opportunity to just get curious to see Mm -hmm. how does it feel rather than is it right or wrong? Yeah. And I really feel what you said. It's like, yeah, like everything you're saying, it's like up my alley of like, yeah, like certain changes, it takes a while. And then just like you said, it's not right or wrong. It's not black or white. They're just like, and everything is just how you navigate to- towards it and like for example with this podcast too when I first started like there was so much anxiety starting it and then I was like like three like, you staying up at 3 a.m like I stayed up at like midnight or like even doing grunt work that I didn't want to do but I chose to do this because I want this to succeed I want what I want because I chose it I chose it and I want that alignment to be expanding and growing growing as much as I want yeah and it's it's so, yeah, like change is hard, but if you put your mind to it and you take that like little step, like you said, little step, little step here and there, it will, you know, gradually you will get there and you will be there. And so yeah. um, consistency, predictability, control. The yeah. reality is, is that most people will stop. That's the difference between even the top percent, 10% and the rest of the world, Right. Yeah. Like, and you can put that ten, top 10% as far as money, as far as relationships, as far as whatever you want it to be. That's just the reality is most people will revert back to their norm because our body is more tuned to that. But also because we live in a world that those things, the way our body had to learn how to protect us. Yeah. And so that's always going to be there. And the world is not changing fast enough. As people of color, as marginalized communities, the world isn't fair. It's likely not going to be fair in our lifetime. Yeah. Things is not, are just not fucking changing fast enough. Mm-mm. And nope. so Mm-mm. it is appreciating that yeah. and finding our power within. Yes. Knowing and being compassionate that yes, particularly as a person of color or a person in a marginalized community, basically if you don't have white privilege, hetero, white privilege and you didn't weren't born as a male all these choices that you were not they were not our choices it is appreciating 
that in the world, yeah, it's harder. Yeah. And it's being compassionate with that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like it's being compassionate with that because so much of what I try to remind people is, is that like, I think a lot of people can look at me and think, God, you're really confident. You're really assertive. You're all of these things. And, and, and fuck yeah, I am. And I also have complex trauma and I also get distressed and I also have my bad moments. And I also will, now I move through them a lot faster. I was just verbally assaulted two days ago at 6 a.m. on the beach. Like I experience aggressions, not just microaggressions on the regular because I am a 4'11 female Asian. You know, like those things happen to me, Mm. right? And that's the unfair world we live in. And the same reason as to why I experienced that were the same reasons that this person, this white male felt he could do that to me. And that he experienced all of that aggression inside of him. You know, he basically started yelling at me and calling me a fucking bitch, you fucking lazy bitch, you're on your phone. When I literally, my dog is demand barking from me. And my trainer literally is like, you got to ignore her and then give her six six um, tricks to do to, to try to calm her down if she doesn't listen. So I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And this random person at 6 a.m. on Santa Monica Beach just verbally assaults me. Would he have done that if I was a 250-pound black man? Mm-hmm. Fuck no. No. That's the reality that we live in. And that same reality is absolutely why in bedrooms, people don't feel safe. What happens outside of the bedroom, your body learns to bring it in. It is hard. When we are most vulnerable, when we enjoy sex the most, when I talk about energetic orgasms, my body has to be in a space where it is completely surrendered. I now know how to bring that to my body, but it is a practice. Like in that situation, yep, I yelled back. At first I was like, what, what's happening? I was like, are you serious? Like this guy looked like he was from Oregon. He was in a puffy jacket, a backpack with a water bottle on it. He wasn't, yeah. I mean, maybe he was doing van life, but he wasn't like like a homeless like person with, you know, just like and anything that would feel kind of make more sense, right? Yeah. But... You know, like, I think a lot of this was um, in that moment, you know, I yell, but then I'm like, you know what? Like, fuck that. Like, that was just a drive by, walk by, like assault. And, And then I made a video about it because I made a video about it of when I moved through it. And was I still angry about it? Yeah. And am I gonna let that spiral into my day anymore? No. I got to share it with my clients and tell the, and share with them of another example of, Hey, look, when we aggress, we feed into the system and I'm going to choose now not to, I'm going to choose to understand that this is another example of why there is. So this is where racism and sexism all come into play. And that in this moment and me choosing not to, not to let this spiral, not to just keep on fuming and complaining and doing all these things that, okay, how can I harness that, that, that anger in a more productive way for myself that feels better and more aligned for me? Yeah. You know, like, like I'm talking about it now and I'm like, yeah, my shoulders feel good. 
And, and you know what, like, and I can have empathy, like, and my TikTok, like people were like, oh, what a, what a, what an annoying person. Why is that so awful that happened? I'm like, yeah, it sucks. It sucks for him too. These injustices affect all of us. Yeah. You know, all of us hard to change, right? And he's probably feeling what, you know, like, even though we're, even though we're feeling it too, it's, like you said, everyone is feeling it. So he's, it's probably something going on in in his mind, his life that he just has to get out his anger, which is also not is inappropriate to do. It just it just kind of reminds me of like also um back then too, like I was walking, walking, like going to my car, and suddenly a person cat start catcalling me out of nowhere. It's like, hey girl, how are you doing, beautiful? And I'm just like, what? I was like, what are you doing? In my it was all in my head. And then I was just like, okay, I don't want to be I don't want to just lay low. And then, so I yell back too. I yell back like, hey, don't call me that, okay? And then I just, <laughs> then I just walk, sorry about it. Because <laughs> I think it was also my first time even just acknowledging, telling someone like, hey, don't call me that. Yeah. But then like the fact that I got so fucking scared, I just, I ran. I ran the other way to just, because I guess there's a lot of notions within our family, my family and friends, like a woman is, you know, when a person says something to a woman, stay silent because you could it be dangerous if you say something back they could aggress you and then i so that's why i just ran i was like out of my way oh i just gotta go and so it reminds me you know it's there's just so many things going on in our world and like we just have to keep going with just keeping fighting for ourselves as as people of color well, but it's 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 yeah it's not staying in that fight mode. Like that's the difference. When we are in fight mode, we're in survival mode, which means our body's either hyper aroused or hypo aroused, right? But generally hyper aroused, right? That's why you ran, right? That's when your heartbeat raises and you, your muscles tense and your breath gets really short, right? Yeah. The more we actually keep thinking, that's just the way we need to stay. You know, like, I mean, I've, I've been called Chinese whore and I'm fucking Filipino. Like I, I, I have been chased down roads. Yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm grateful and lucky that I have not been physically assaulted, but I have, well, I mean, I've get pushed around and all of these things because I'm so small that the world thinks that they can do that. That is a reality. And I think so, so much of it is, is appreciating that no, it's not fair and beginning to assert yourself and like, and in those moments, like, I mean, I remember one year in here in Santa Monica, I've lived in New York, I've lived in DC, Chicago, I've lived in all, of, I've traveled all over the world. And the most unsafe I've felt has been here in Santa Monica living in front of the beach. And in one year during the pandemic, I had to call the cop about the cops 12 times because I literally, because all of the Asian hate that was going on, like I literally would, people would follow me and they'd crisscross me. They'd block me from my door. Like, um, for one night at like eight 30 at night, somebody followed me for two and a half blocks. And, um, and you know, that stuff happened so much that I couldn't even walk my dog at night. Yeah. You know, so what did I have to do? I had to move. And, um, and those realities like are, I definitely was just so fed up with them and that I, I had to unfortunately move most people do not have that privilege. 
right? They don't have the, I had, I had to pay almost double my rent to get out of that. And I'm, I'm in Santa Monica. It's like one of the most expensive places to live in America, right? Like, um, but I had to make that choice. Um, but again, it's acknowledging most people don't have those choices. Most people don't have those privileges and, and appreciating that, okay, in that, what can you do? How can you feel safe, right? Like, and that's where so much of this practice is, is I know that like now I know that that's going to happen. Like, like when that happened the other day, I'm like, okay, and can I, can I move through it? And can I feel very different in my body within five minutes? Yes. Yeah. Because I've, unfortunately, because I've had all these fucking experiences, but with every single time, the more I am able to, to <clears throat> move through it, acknowledge what comes up from my body, notice how it gets scared, notice how it feels threatened, can also invite in safety. Yeah. And, and that's the practice. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Kalina, for sharing. Um, yeah. So thank you for sharing your story and sharing your knowledge and wisdom. It's so, it's, it's, it's inspiring. Uh, so if you have one takeaway that you would like to share to our audience, what would it be? I believe that we all deserve to live a life aligned to our needs, wants, and desires. And to achieve that and to live our lives fully, means that we need to connect to our bodies and choose how we want to connect to others. And we need to practice this safety and to have compassion for ourselves as we begin to assert that for ourselves, that it is absolutely possible and that it is not a linear path and that we can do this on our own, but we change in relationships. And so this is where so much of finding friends, finding communities, or if you need more support, like I'm here to help. You know, I have my private practice where I see clients in California, Illinois, and New York. And then I also have some group programs which specifically address women who have just been settling for sexless relationships because the world basically says, pleasure isn't for women. You know, we don't deserve it. Women don't deserve to live aligned like that. So I work with the women who fucking believe that they fucking do, just aren't sure how. And I believe we all deserve to live a life aligned with desire. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here with us, Dr. Catalina. We really appreciate it a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me. And people can find me if they want to reach out on any of my handles at the Intimacy Doc, or you can visit my website at theintimacydoc.com. Thank you. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening in and just being here with us. And if you enjoy our, the podcast, please look, please look at, um, please check it out in all platforms and leave a review or star rating, however you like, and look out for new episodes every Tuesday on The Courageous Inner Peace. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoy our conversation and would like to learn more about Dr. Catalina Lawson, please look in the description and show notes for more information and for the links.